Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to another encore presentation of Heart to Heart with Anna. This show is near and dear to my heart because one of the guests is my own son. I must confess that I really worried how Alex having a congenital heart defect would affect my heart healthy son, Joey. This interview is from season one of Heart to Heart with Anna and features guests Joey Jaworski and Laura Ryan. These two heart siblings brought tears to my eyes. Guest Don Meyer of the Sibling Support Project provides us with some great advice. I hope you enjoy today's Encore presentation. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, featuring your host, Anna Jaworski. Our program is a program designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. Welcome to the fourth episode of Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Our purpose is to empower members of our community with resources, support, and advocacy. Having a chronically ill child in a family will have an impact on all of the family members, including healthy siblings. According to the World Facts and Statistics on Disability and Disability Issues, about 10% of the total world's population, or roughly 650 million people, live with a disability. According to the Americans with Disabilities 2002 report, 11% of children aged 6 to 14 have a disability. This amounts to 4 million children. With heart defects being the number one birth defect, it is easy to say that millions of families around the world are impacted by congenital heart defects. Because families of chronically ill children frequently have healthy children as well, the healthy children are often overlooked when the ill child is in the hospital. Children's responses to having a chronically ill sibling often vary depending on the age of the healthy child, especially in relation to the age of the chronically ill child. In some cases, healthy children can develop anxiety, acting out behaviors, and depression. In other cases, the healthy children seem to become more mature and compassionate than their peers who don't have chronically ill siblings. Much research has been conducted on ways to help healthy children in a family with a chronically ill child learn to cope and thrive despite the stress and anxiety involved in caring for a chronically ill child. This is why our topic, Siblings in a Congenital Heart Defect Community, is so important. To discuss this topic, our guests today are siblings, Laura Ryan and Joey Jaworski, and director of the Sibling Support Project, Don Meyer. Laura Ryan was the oldest of four children when her little brother Carl was born. The siblings were all three years apart, so Laura was 12 years old when Carl was born, and she also had a brother who was six years old and another one who was nine years old. Unfortunately, when Carl was born, the family immediately realized 
something was wrong. But nobody knew how bad things were until Carl was sent to Texas Children's Hospital in Houston, a hundred miles from their home. Carl was born with a serious heart defect known as Total Anomalous Pulmonary Venous Return, or TAPVR. Since Laura's little brother Carl was born in the 1950s, now one of the oldest TAPVR survivors in the United States. We'll meet Joey Jaworski, another sibling to a brother with a congenital heart defect, and Don Meyer, director of the Sibling Support Project, later in our show. Welcome to the fourth episode of Heart to Heart with Anna, Laura. Thank you, Anna. It must have been so difficult for you as a preteen with three younger siblings, especially when the baby was born with a serious congenital heart defect. Do you remember when Carl was born? Well, that's been over 55 years ago, Anna, and I remember <laughs> some things. For instance, I remember when Dad called us to give some news of the birth and said it was a boy. I said, another baby brother. Oh, okay. Oh, well. I surely thought I knew what it was like to have a baby brother, so I thought, no big deal. But boy, was I wrong. By the way, Carl weighed over nine pounds, Mom's largest baby. Wow, a nine-pounder. That's a big boy. Yes. But after that, he started getting sick, unable to hold his formula down. It was initially thought that Carl was allergic to the milk. He cried a lot. Mm-hmm. This baby brother was definitely different. How did your family react to that difference? Well, they tried to do everything possible to try to find out what was wrong with him, listening to doctors, trying to get to the root of the problem. So I imagine maybe they changed his formula? Yes, many times because the doctor still thought it was formula-related. Mm-hmm. But every time Mother would try a new formula, Neither of the formulas worked. Right. Well, any time a new baby comes into a family, there's a lot of change. What was the most challenging change for you as a 12-year-old young woman? I mean, it sounds like your mother was having challenges just feeding the baby and taking care of him that way. But what challenges were you facing? Well, the most obvious change, of course, was that not only that we had a new baby in the house, but Carl was a sick cross baby, and he wasn't getting any better. The illness continued and continued. Mom tried more formula changes, but nothing she tried worked. She took him to numerous local doctors during that time. Remember, Paul's surgery wasn't until he was four months old, which is a long time to deal with a sick baby who wasn't improving while tending to us other children and her other duties as a mother and wife. Dad was at work, of course, but helped when he could. It had to be a terrible strain on the entire family, Anna. Oh, I can just imagine. I can just imagine. At this time, you were in school. Your other one brother was in school. The other was probably still at home with your mother. Correct. So she had two little ones to take care of, a a toddler, which is a handful in and of itself, and then a sick baby. Four months before they finally found out what was wrong with him. What was the event that caused them to realize that it was his heart? The last doctor she took him to noticed his color because he was a blue baby, and he immediately thought it was something wrong with his heart and sent my parents to uh, Houston, called and made the appointment, and the rest is history. We were farmed out to different relatives' homes to stay because mother and dad had no idea how long they would be there. 
Now, when you say you were farmed out, does that mean that your parents were able to say goodbye to you, or did they go to this appointment and then all of a sudden have to rush to Houston and maybe an aunt or an uncle had to come pick you up at school and tell you what was going on? Right. We knew ahead of time that he was very sick, but we didn't know the severity of the problem until they went to Houston and got the news from the doctors there. And then, Anna, we were at different relatives' homes. It's not like the three siblings were together. We were separated, which probably didn't help things. Yeah, it was a very trying time. So, so you weren't only separated from the baby brother who was sick, but you were also separated from your healthy brothers. Correct. So even though being normal siblings, we had our, our usual little disagreements, but basically in, in all families, as you well know, there's still the, the bond mm-hmm. uh, between siblings, and we didn't have that because we were at different relatives' homes. It must have been so frightening for everybody, but you were almost like a little mother also since you were so much older than your siblings. Did that cause you a lot of concern? Well, I was old enough to understand, but yet not old enough to understand the severity of the illness. So, yes, instinct, being a little 12-year-old girl, you have that motherly instinct. But I was not able to use that because they were in Houston with Carl at the hospital and we were home. So when did you find out that it was a heart defect? It sounds like they rushed to Houston, but they probably didn't know exactly what the problem was. I really can't remember the circumstances and how it all came to play, but it probably didn't take them long to figure out that it was a heart problem. My parents were there a month with Carl, and I can only remember going to visit him one time. But you have to remember, Anna, back then, years ago, children weren't allowed in hospitals, and especially a Texas Children's Hospital where children are so severely injured. That's right. A lot of times they were afraid that the younger children, although you weren't that young, but they were afraid that the children would bring extra germs into the hospital and possibly compromise the health of the child who was already sick. Correct. So who took you to the hospital that one time you were able to see Carl? The aunt and uncle that I was staying with. One brother stayed with grandparents, and another brother was with another aunt and uncle. So I remember going with my aunt and uncle. I was very bothered by the fact that I could not see him. I guess a picture's worth a thousand words. And I mean, that was my baby brother. I wanted to see how sick he was. But I do remember being very upset about the fact that I couldn't see him. Yeah, I'm sure that was very distressing. But we can tell our listeners that it has a happy ending. You said he was at the hospital for a month. And can you tell us a little bit about the recovery period? Well, he did a very good recovery, just bounced back. It was sort of miraculous, of course, and did so well, started gaining weight again. And we all felt much better. We even went to visit another family who had another child that had the same operation as Carl. So overall, how do you think the hospitalization impacted the whole family? Very traumatic. A very traumatic time for all of us. I know how traumatic it was for me. I can imagine 
I can't imagine really what my parents went through. Mm-hmm. So um, it was a very rough time for the whole family and extended aunts, uncles, grandparents. Yes, but I'm so impressed, Laura, that your whole family really did come together. They took care of everybody. Everybody was taking care of each other. I mean, that's a very heartwarming story. Yes, we we're basically a very close family. My dad, of course, was home and would go when he could. I can't remember the details, but he had a job he had to keep. And mm-hmm. uh, we weren't living at the home. I'm sure Dad was staying at the home during all of this and running back and forth to Houston when he could. But, yes, it's a time when the entire family had to come together and help. So, Laura, if you could give any advice to parents who are listening today who maybe have a 12-year-old child or preteen and also have a child who is sick, what advice would you give them to help the child who is like you? the teenager, a preteen, who is left behind? Well, first I'd like to say that I know my parents did the very best they could at that time under the circumstances. But I think one very important thing parents need to remember is communication with the siblings. It plays an important role. And try to give the siblings as much information as they possibly can based on the siblings' age and understanding, of course. I think that's one of the most important. I can't agree with you enough. Absolutely. I think communication is key. Unfortunately, children have vivid imaginations that can run away with them when they're in a very stressful situation. And like you were saying, just having a photograph or just being told, yes, Carl's sick, but he has great doctors taking care of him and we hope to bring him home again soon. I'm sure that would have done a lot to relieve your mind. Right, and I'm sure my parents and aunt and uncle did that to the best of their ability at the time. It's just that in my mind, 12 years old, a year before I'm a teenager, the big sister, it really affected me that, so I couldn't see him, so in my mind I really didn't know how well or how sick he was. I just remember that being a very big problem. I can just imagine. Thank you, Laura. I appreciate you sharing with our listeners. Now we need to break for a commercial, but when we get back, you'll get to meet a very special person who is close to my heart. Find out who that is and what his experience was having a baby brother in a hospital undergoing open-heart surgery and then watching his brother go through it all over again 17 years later when we return. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Anna Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events, and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups, as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well-connected 
and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today, we are talking with Laura Ryan. Joey Jaworski and Don Meyer, and our topic is siblings in the heart community, in the congenital heart defect community as a matter of fact. Laura Ryan and Joey Jaworski are siblings of brothers born with congenital heart defects, and Don Meyer is the director of the Sibling Support Project. We just finished talking with Laura Ryan, a sister to Carl Walford, who was born with Total Anomalous Pulmonary Venous Return, or TAPVR. Now we will turn our attention to Joey Jaworski. Joey Jaworski is the oldest son of Frank and Anna Jaworski. When he was one year old, he started begging his parents for a baby brother. Having two female cousins his same age, Joey felt outnumbered, and he wanted to even things out. When his mother told him that God might give them a sister, Joey said, Don't worry, Mom. Dad works at the hospital. If we have a girl, Dad can just switch it out for a boy before he comes home. Clearly, Joey was determined to have a little brother. Right before Joey's third birthday, Alexander Jaworski was born. Little did anyone know that Alex was born with a serious congenital heart defect. Within Alex's first year of life, he had two open-heart surgeries in a hospital three and a half hours from their home. Joey's world was turned upside down. Alex then had another open-heart surgery when he was 17 and Joey was 20. We'll meet Don Meyer, the director of the Sibling Support Project, later in our show. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Joey. Hey, how's it going, Mom? It's going great. So you just keyed everyone in to my first point to let everybody know that not only are you Alexander's big brother, but you're also my son. And I want to thank you for coming on the show today. The funny thing is that you and I really haven't talked much about what it was like growing up as Alex's big brother. Can you tell me what you remember from Alex's first surgery when you were just three years old? Well, thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate it. I'm really honored to be here. Remembering what Alex's first surgery was like when I was three years old is a little bit difficult, but there are some things that stand out more than others. For one thing, like Laura had with her family whenever she was going through the crisis with discovering her little brother had a congenital heart defect, I had an extensive family support system. And that's one of the big things that I remember from my childhood when Alex went into his first surgery was I always had a place to be. I always had loving family there to take care of me. I would stay at my aunts and uncles' houses with my cousins, and they would help distract me from the more serious situation that was going on in the hospital with you and Alex and my dad. So what is your most vivid memory from when you were three? You were three years and two months old when Alex had his first surgery, and then you were three years and nine months old when he had his second surgery. What's your most vivid memory of those times? I bet they kind of blur together. They do, for sure. It's one big feeling more than anything else, and there was things that I felt more than anything was that there was a lot of fear coming from the older members of the family, my parents, you guys especially. I remember everyone being very scared about Alex, and I remember thinking that he was going to be okay. He had to be okay. He was my little brother. Like, God had to take care of Alex. I knew that he was going to make it home to me, but there were definitely times when I did not feel that way. One of my most vivid memories during this entire 
time period was waking up in my aunt's house in the middle of the night thinking I was at home and just being terrified, not knowing where I was, not knowing where my parents were. And that was really scary. That was probably the scariest time in my life when we were going through all that hospital time and all the surgeries. When he was going through his second surgery, I know I was with you guys in the hospital more because I have some memories of walking down the, the halls of the hospital and the, the bright fluorescent lights and eating in the cafeteria and things like that. But uh, yeah, those would be my most vivid memories. Yeah, it must have been really scary to wake up. I know that Aunt Susan tried to make things as comfortable as she could for you, and she had a pallet where both you and Rachel slept together on the floor so you wouldn't have to be all by yourself. Joey, Definitely. Those were things that helped, just having that feeling someone was near you, someone to help. I am so indebted to them for how beautifully they did take care of you. Now let's go and fast forward to when you were 20, and Alex just had his most recent surgery. Can you share with me what it was like you as a grown adult, obviously times were very different. You were out of the house already, but what was it like for you in that circumstance being the sibling of a child who wasn't much of a child, he was 17, but having Alex have surgery at that age? That was a very interesting experience. It really brought me all the way back to when it first happened. It brought up some of these memories that I'm talking about right now. I remember when it started getting closer, I started to really get in touch with those feelings that I had when he was going through his first surgeries. But there were a lot of differences that made it nothing like that first surgery. For one thing, Alex was almost a fully grown man. And he was incredibly courageous throughout the entire thing. I got to see him several times before he went in for his surgery. And every time there was no negativity in him whatsoever. He had a very positive outlook for the surgery, a positive outlook for his recovery afterwards and everything. He was just very courageous going into it. And honestly, him acting that way, like, took away a huge part of my fear for anything that was going to happen because he was fully prepared to deal with what was going to happen. So I knew all I had to do was support him and be there for him, and he was going to be okay. Once everything started happening, it got scary again once the surgery was underway. Definitely was a little bit nervous, was keeping in touch with you and dad via text messages and phone calls throughout the surgery. But everything went perfectly. It was all awesome. And Alex made an incredibly rapid recovery, unlike how it was 20 years before when he was going through it. He just, he nailed it. He was all ready to go. <laughs> it helps having a really positive big brother like you. Gosh, Joey, I really appreciate how you could tap into Alex's courage and how by having him be courageous, it helped you to feel courageous and positive, too. I think that helped me knowing that the same surgeon was operating on Alex. He had the same anesthesiologist. It almost felt like we were going home again. And I knew okay. all of those people loved Alex and wanted him to be okay. Exactly. And also, when you bring that up, all of that was a big contributing factor to me not being worried as well, knowing that for the past, I guess it was 17 years between the surgeries, you had been in the community, you knew these doctors, you knew the progressions and, and, and the medicine that they were using. So there wasn't a lot of unknown. It felt like we were going into something that we were ready for. So what did your dad and I do right while Alex was in the hospital that you found helpful as a big brother? One thing that Laura talked about was communication. Y'all were very good at communicating with me. When I was very young, you told me what was happening. You told me Alex was sick. You told me that he was going to be in the hospital for a while. 
but you didn't make it scary. It wasn't, you know, I, I was a young child. I was three years old, so it could have been really scary, but you gave me enough information to know what was going on, know that I had to take care of myself while y'all were taking care of my little brother, and that made it real for me. It made me able to deal with everything, and it's been that way throughout. You guys have always told me what his situation is with being able to exercise, you know, what is his heart defect will hold him back from, and I always try to, I, I try to, I tried to push Alex beyond his limits, always try to help him grow. And, um, but y'all kept me grounded and, and helped made me fully understand what was going on with him. Yes, I frequently refer to you as a normalizer, Joey. You were the one that <laughs> let us pamper Alex. <laughs> you kept us real. You know, you kept us treating him just like we were treating you just like we would have treated any normal child. So do you have any advice that you can offer parents who are raising two or more children where one of them has a serious heart defect so they can lead a good quality life as well? Any advice that I would give them would be talk with your kids, make sure they know what their younger siblings are going through, make them understand what they can do to help. The younger siblings, especially if they're older than the kid with the heart defect, they're going to want to help. They're, they're going to want to do what they can to help make their younger brother or younger sister enjoy life as much as they can. You know, they don't want to see him as, as a sick kid. They don't want to see it as a, as someone who's going to be held back. They want to see it as their little brother, their new friends. That's, that's who they want. So as a parent, just do everything you can to help your child get healthy, help your healthy older sibling know what to do to help the kid with the heart defect get back on track. You were so good, Joey, and I don't know if you even remember this, but when you were little and I was doing physical therapy with Alex and I was doing vocal exercises with him, you were singing and playing right alongside me, and you were the great example for Alex. You were everything Alex wanted to be. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, I just I wanted my little brother to be everything he could be, especially as he's grown up and become such an awesome person. It reinforces that everything I did was for the best. I wanted him to really move past this early, early illness that he had, you know, and once he beat it, there was no reason for him to be held back by anyone telling him he couldn't do things. It was our job to make him become a functioning person in society, just like anyone else. So what have you learned growing up with a brother with a chronic illness that might help other siblings, Joey? What I've learned is you have to be patient with them. You definitely have to be patient. And because they are, I don't want to say disadvantaged, but because they are sick, they do have some things that are holding them back. So as their older sibling, it's your job to be their protector, their teacher, their helper. But above all those other things, you're their friends. You're their older brother. You're their older sister. You're their friends. And you have to be that first. All those other things come second, even though they're equally as important. You just have to learn how to be all those things at once and just be a good person for your younger sibling, you know, make the world a better place for them. Wow, you certainly did that for Alex. And thank you for being on this show today, Joey. I really appreciate it. It was especially touching for me to hear how Alex inspired you and helped you realize that everything would be okay. Now we need to break for a commercial. But when we get back, you'll get to meet the director of a very special international organization designed to help siblings of children with chronic health issues. Stay tuned to hear how Don Myers of the Sibling Support Project is changing the lives of families around the globe with his special program when we return. Anna 
Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events, and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups, as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well-connected and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today we are talking with Laura Ryan, Joey Jaworski, and Don Meyer, and our topic is siblings in the congenital heart defect community. Laura Ryan and Joey Jaworski are siblings of brothers born with congenital heart defects, and Don Meyer is the director of the Sibling Support Project. We've heard the experiences of two siblings of brothers born with serious congenital heart defects, Laura Ryan and Joey Jaworski. Don Meyer is the director of the Sibling Support Project. Don is probably best known for creating Sib Shops, lively programs just for young brothers and sisters of kids with special needs. Kids and Sib Net, no-cost listservs for young and adult brothers and sisters, which allows hundreds of siblings from around the world to connect with their peers. Don was a founder of the Supporting Extended Family Members Program at the University of Washington, which pioneered services for fathers, siblings, and grandparents of children with special needs. Don is senior author or editor of six books, Sib Shops, Workshops for Brothers and Sisters of Children with Special Needs, Uncommon Fathers, Reflections on Raising a Child with Special Needs, Living with a Brother or Sister with Special Needs, a book for Sibs, Views from Our Shoes, Growing Up with a Brother or Sister with Special Needs, The Sibling Slam Book, and Thicker Than Water, Essays by Adult Siblings of People with Disabilities. Don, welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna. Thank you for having me. Don, I feel like I've known you forever. <laughs> you began your Sip Shops program a long time ago, and I discovered you on the Internet when I was trying to find material for Joey. Can you tell me what the catalyst was for your Sip Shops workshops and when you started them? Yeah, Sip Shops just... For your listeners, information are attempts to provide young brothers and sisters with peer support and information, but do it from a kid's eye view. My work with SIBS is really an outgrowth of work I initially did with dads of kids with disabilities, but we quickly saw that there were other traditionally underserved family members, and one of the things that we've learned over the years, SIBS experiences parallel parents' experiences. Just about anything you can say about being the parent of a child with special health care needs, you can pretty much say the same thing 
things about brothers and sisters. And like parents, SIBs benefit from opportunities to share their fears, their hopes, and their doubts with other people who get it. And so that's what we're trying to do with SIB shops, to provide SIBs with those opportunities, but to do it in a kid-friendly atmosphere that's rewarding on many levels for them to come to. So what do you think is the biggest mistakes that parents make regarding healthy siblings when dealing with a chronically ill child, specifically regarding a sibling with special health care needs? Well, first of all, I think it's important to remember that parents do many things right and that hindsight is truly 2020. I moderate a lot of sibling panels in my work, and I ask them, what's one thing you think your parents did especially well, and what's one thing you wish they had done maybe a little bit differently. And what I hear from panelists who seem to come from families that have done well, they say, you know, in our family, Mike was just another kid. Yeah, 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 you have some problems, but you know what? It's still your night to do the dishes. You still need to take out the trash. You still need to sweep the kitchen floor. You're just another bozo on the bus. When I ask panelists, is there something you wish your parents had done a little bit differently? What I hear from panelists often is, is that I wish they had leaned on my sister to do the kind of things that I knew she could do growing up. And had they done that, I think that she'd be a lot farther along on that path to independence than she is right now. But other things what I hear SIBs recommending parents do or wish their parents did is they wish that they had carved time out of their crazy, busy schedule to spend one-on-one -on -one with their typically developing kids. And also, as your son mentioned in the previous segment, is to have the best possible communication that they can have with their typically developing kids. I always encourage parents to pick up the book, How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk, as an example. And then finally, I think the most important thing for parents to remember is that the single strongest factor influencing a sibling's interpretation of their brother or sister's health condition will be the parent's interpretation of the health condition. So if the parents perceive it as being this life-fearing tragedy from which there's no escape, well, they shouldn't be too surprised if their kids perceive it that way. On the other hand, if they perceive it as being a series of challenges that they have little choice but to meet with as much grace and humor as they can muster, they have every reason to believe that their typically developing kids will view it that way as well. Those are great points. I'm really impressed that the children are able to communicate all of that information to you. Well, it's not always kids. Sometimes I get this from adults. Right. I love the fact that you work with fathers, grandparents, children. You really see that having a child with a chronic illness affects the entire family. Yes. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. So what do you feel the role should be for the healthy children in families like ours? Well, there are different roles. They're the roles, time, they're the roles they should be playing and the roles that they sometimes get assigned. Sometimes the roles kids get assigned is that of a junior parent, especially in single-parent households. And kids become parentified, as the saying goes. And, uh, and sometimes they put them in, themselves into a different role, and that role is being the perfect kid, the one who won't make any waves, the one who will balance the scale, the one who won't bring home any more heartache. Sometimes kids think that that's their job is to balance the scale. But here's the role they should play. Their role should be to simply be brothers and sisters, not therapists, not surrogates, parents, not perfect kids. They need to do what other siblings do with their brothers and sisters. They need to play. They need to 
dispute, they need to tease, they need to love, they need to fight. Not only is it fair to the typically developing SIBs, but it's better for the kid who has the health impairment. You can easily make an argument that a child with a heart condition who grew up with a brother or sister with whom he fought is better prepared for that cold, cruel world than a kid with a heart condition that grew up as an only child. To learn about the give and take of life, maybe in a brutal manner sometimes, <laughs> learn about the give and take of life. Uh-huh. Oh, I totally agree with you. That's what I loved about having Joey as our normalizer. He did keep things normal for Alex. He did help Alex when they took karate together to make sure that Alex sparred just like the other kids did. Alex was treated just like the other kids were. Yeah. Let's go back to your sib shops for a moment, and can you tell us what the role your sib shops would play in the life of a child dealing with a chronically ill sibling? Well, sib shops send multiple messages. The first message is that you're not alone. Most parents of kids with special needs would find it unthinkable to raise a child without knowing at least one other parent who gets it, who understands what their life is like. And that's what we're trying to do with SIP shops, to let them know that there are other kids that have the same unique joys and concerns that they have. And SIP shops give them a chance to express those unique joys and concerns and also learn how other SIBs handle sticky situations that SIBs sometimes find themselves in. SIP shops also send the message that these kids are important, too. This SIP shop is them. It's not for their brothers and sisters. SIP shops are a celebration of the many contributions made by brothers and sisters, and we think SIBs rock, and we want to let young SIBs know that, that we think they're important, too. I love that. I absolutely love that. I was so excited, Don, when I was doing research for this show, and I saw how many SIP shops are available now all over the world. Yeah, 430 uh, of them worldwide. Yeah. Can you tell our listeners how they would find a SIP shop close to them? Yes. If you go to our website, which is www.siblingsupport.org, and start clicking around, you'll find a tab that says Find a SIP shop near you. And there's a state-by-state and province-by-province listing of all 430 SIP shops worldwide. Actually, there's SIP shops in Ireland and Japan and New Zealand and Argentina and Iceland. They're they're in many places, and they're all listed on our website. And it's really easy to use. I went there myself and saw that there are SIP shops in Austin. I wish that had been true 17, 19 years ago, I guess, when Joey was little. But I'm so excited to see how your project has just taken off. And I understand that you're affiliated with the Kindering Center, a neurodevelopmental and early intervention center that's in Bellevue, Washington. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, the Kindering Center is the Washington State's largest early intervention program, and they do marvelous things. But the director has been very visionary in, in realizing that it's important to address the needs of all family members. And so The Sibling Support Project has been a part of that, but also the Washington State Fathers Network, which has served as a model for other fathers' efforts around the country. So I could take an hour telling you about all the wonderful (laughs) the Kindering Center does, but that's amongst them. But my job is pretty much specifically with brothers and sisters. That is just wonderful. I really appreciate you giving our listeners your experience and expertise today, but I can't let you go until you tell us how we can find your books. Oh, that's pretty easy. If you just visit our website, you'll see a link uh, there to an online bookstore and a listing of all of our books. Some are for SIBs, some are about SIBs, and one is the SIB Shop curriculum. 
Terrific. Thank you again so much, Don. You were such an inspiration to me so many years ago when I saw you were paying so much attention to the siblings and you were giving a voice to the children who are often overlooked. Well, it was my pleasure. And if any of your listeners are interested in starting a SIB shop in their community, please drop me a line. My email address is easily found on our website. Terrific. Thank you, Don. It's great to know there is so much more available to help siblings and families of children with chronic illnesses. It's time for our last commercial break. Stay tuned for our miracle moment when we get back. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, A handbook for parents will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Anna Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events, and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups, as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well-connected and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today we are talking with members of the congenital heart defect community dealing with the topic of siblings in the congenital heart defect community. And my guests today were Joey Jorsky, Laura Ryan, both who are siblings with brothers who were born with congenital heart defects, and Don Myers, who is the director of the Sibling Support Project. I want to thank my guests, Laura Ryan, Joey Jaworski, and Don Meyer today for coming on our show and for sharing their experiences and their expertise. I believe that they can help others in the congenital heart defect community when dealing with having a healthy child along with a child experiencing congenital heart problems. There are so many times that our children have to have surgeries or they have frequent doctor's visits, or maybe they need special equipment. Sometimes they have to go to therapies on a regular basis. But I'm hoping that today we've learned ways that we can work to help every member of our families to cope with the problems that they're going to face and hopefully even to thrive. Now for the final part of our show, our miracle moment. Today's miracle moment is from the book, My Brother Needs an Operation, by me, Anna Jaworski, and our miracle moment comes from the afterword of the book. I wrote, this story was inspired by my son, Joey. Alex's first open-heart surgery was very stressful for Joey. Knowing that we had two more scheduled surgeries for Alex, I wondered what I could do to help Joey through them. I talked with parents in my support group, Congenital Hearts, and I read everything I could get my hands on. 
Unfortunately, there was very little to read in the way of material for the unhospitalized child. I decided to take what I had learned from our situation to help other parents in the same situation. It was not until I began working on my book that I realized how many transitions I had expected of Joey. He was sent to stay with various family members, had to attend a daycare for the first time, and was physically separated from Alex and me because we were in a hospital three and a half hours from home. Although the first hospitalization was an emergency situation, my husband and I had six months to prepare for Alex's next surgery. It was then that we decided to handle that situation totally differently. Because I am a stay-at-home mother, we realized that the most difficult part for the hospitalization, both for Joey and for me, was a separation. We decided to handle the second hospitalization as a family. For the second hospitalization, Frank and I took turns caring for both of the boys so that neither one would be without one of us for very long. We were fortunate to be able to stay at my parents' home, and that was our home base. My mother also helped in caring for Joey. That was helpful during our change of shifts, and it became part of our routine. Perhaps the best part of our day was when the four of us were together as a family. After Alex was extubated, had his breathing tube removed, Frank brought Joey to the hospital every day at the same time. We visited as a family in Alex's room. Then Frank, Joey, and I would have dinner in the hospital cafeteria and return to Alex's room to say goodnight, sing a lullaby, and say our prayers. The ritual was very important for the health and well-being of our family. Hospitalizations can be difficult on the unhospitalized child, regardless of that child's age. Sometimes families must be separated, as we were for the first surgery. I hope that the book I put together, My Brother Needs an Operation, will help the families who purchase it or who borrow it from the libraries to learn how to cope. And I encourage them to consider other healthy ways of enduring their children's hospitalizations as a family unit so that everyone feels important and is part of the healing process. Our guests today were wonderful at explaining to us what it felt like. Laura and Joey told us what it felt like, how important communication is, and how they can take part in the healing process with the families. Don Meyer told us about SIP shops. I really wish the sip shops had been in Texas when Joey was very small. It would have helped him to know that there were other children that understood what he was going through. But I think that Laura and Joey were both very lucky that they had so much family support. It's not uncommon today with the very mobile societies that we live in for there not to be family around to help out. And that's where Don Meyer's sibling support program comes in so very handily because then there are people who may not be related to you, but there are people who know what you're doing, what you're going through, and they can help our siblings, the healthy siblings, so that they can stay healthy and not be too stressed out by what's happening when we're having children in the hospital undergoing open heart surgery or having endless doctor visits, therapy visits, and having tons of equipment in the house. 
I want to again thank Laura and Joey and Don for coming on our show and for sharing their experiences with us. On the website, you will be able to see links to Don's website, so that should make it easier for everyone. I hope you'll check out Sip Shops, and I hope you'll check out his books. I think they would be very helpful for any family who has a child in a hospital and one left behind. Thank you for listening today. Please come back next week on Tuesday at noon Eastern Time for a brand new episode. During the month of February, also known as Heart Month, Heart to Heart with Anna will broadcast a show every day. On Tuesdays, we'll have a brand new show featuring our theme for Season 7, Congenital Heart Defects Around the Globe. The other days will be encore presentations with a brand new intro. If you'd like to know what shows will be featured, you can check out our website at www.hearttoheartwithanna.com. Please find and like us on Facebook. Check out our Café Press Boutique. Revenue from the Café Press Boutique helps to defray the cost of this radio show. Follow our radio show on Blog Talk Radio and especially on Spreaker. Once we get to 100 followers on Spreaker, we can petition iHeartRadio to carry our show. And then people can listen to Heart to Heart with Anna in their cars. Thanks again for listening. We know that congenital heart defects touch people all over the globe. So remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you've been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time. We'll talk again next week. Music.